You are listening to 4 Raw from 4 Fields of Anfield Road, the international LFC podcast. We want to be successful. We know this, this quality, what we have, is, is, um, makes us responsible for being successful. I know that. But as I said before the game to the boys, we are not the Harlem Globetrotters. We don't go out and try to play for the football. We are here for results. And so we play for results. And I, was, I loved how we fought for it. Could have been more clear. But after a few games with no results or not the right results, you have to fight back. That's what we did. And now we can build on this. Hey, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it sounds to me like that wicked man with the bone. Sure having himself a ball. Moreno. That's a little behind it. That's Coutinho for Salah. Oh, that's brilliant. Mo Salah's header. From Coutinho's excellent cross, and Liverpool find the back of the net. Felipe Coutinho loves these moments. Oh, doesn't he love them? He's back with a bang. Liverpool double their lead at Leicester. Mignolet has come and not got there, and Leicester will score. It is a route back into the game for Leicester City. It's three against two. Can Liverpool work it right? Daniel Sturridge, look at the space for Henderson. Surely Liverpool will score here. They do. Liverpool's captain with a crucial goal that could seal a big, big three points. Nice turn by Old Brighton to leave Gomez in his wake. And Gray's arriving. And Vardy, and it's 3-2. Not done yet. Leicester's lifeline again from Jamie Vardy. Mignolet needs to come up big for Liverpool, and he does! Simon Mignolet, the Premier League's penalty king, strikes again. Big, big save by the Belgian. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Sturridge, Oxlade-Chamberlain continues his run. Sturridge has gone for goal! He saw it all the way, Spiegel, and made the save. Welcome to The Forecast. The Forecast is the official podcast of four fields of Anfield Road. We are at www.foresite, that's F-O-A-R-S-I-T-E dot com, a great international community of Reds. And I have on the show with me, two Americans. <laughs> Say hi, Cameron. Hello, hello. And say hi, Air Doctor Professor. Guten Tag. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, guys. Um, some familiar pieces of music in there. Uh, <laughs> Jürgen Klopp says that we are not ha- the Harlem Gro- Globetrotters. Um, I don't know about Harlem Gro- Globetrotters. More like the Washington Generals lately. Probably. <laughs> I get a heart attack every time I watch um, uh, Liverpool play, uh, you know, it's. I feel very positive that we've gotten a positive result. Of course, beating Leicester second time out, but they certainly didn't make it easy, uh, did they, Cameron? Not at all. Yeah, there's uh, 
it seemed like uh, the the typical Liverpool game just uh, always has you on your seat. You're uh, nervous for what happens next, but um, the, yeah, they pulled out the result, which was uh, very very needed, very needed. Okay, and uh, Doc, how did you see this this game and the result? Um, you know, ultimately, I'm happy with the result because you know this time of year you need to get the points. Mm -hmm. I think Leicester came out with a lot of uh, energy early in the game, and we kind of you know the first five ten minutes or so. Mm -hmm kind of took a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we really imposed our will for most of the first half. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I think they they really came out again in the start of the second half. I think that really cheap goal they got at the in extra time there really gave them a little bit of a, a buoyancy. Yeah, yeah. But we saw it out, and that's what's important. Yeah, we did. We did do that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really, really suck at this. Um, started the whole show and I didn't even introduce myself. My name is Joe and I'm your host for this podcast. Um, uh, both these gentlemen, uh, my guests with me today are first time on the show. So I'm just going to give them a little space to um, uh, introduce in, uh, themselves a little bit more. Tell them, tell us a little bit about themselves and start with uh, Cameron. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself? All right, yeah. Um, I'm a current college student here in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a soccer coach. I coach full-time for this um, club, uh, River City Football Club in Grand Rapids. Interesting. Uh, so I've got a couple couple youth teams, and I help out with uh, a little bit of the, the directing. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, basically a dream come true, you know. Perfect. Nice to hear that. Thanks for joining us. And um, Doc, obviously, um, <laughs> I know you follow quite quite a while right now. Uh, you, you're a regular commenter on um, the website uh, itself. Um, but um, nonetheless, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm uh, I'm a middle-aged man. I'm a professor. I live in central Pennsylvania and spend my time uh, lately watching uh, Liverpool and watching my uh, children try not to kill each other. <laughs> All Liverpool fans killed each other. That's the other. <laughs> yes, that's the other challenge. Just not as likely, right? No, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, let, let's get back to this game. Um, we were in a kind of um, in a must-win situation. Would you agree with me when I say say, say that? Absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, bowing out of the Kara um, fucking bow cup. <laughs> There's that word again. Um, <laughs> Uh, midweek, um, being dumped out of the of of, of that cup uh, two 0 by the same team on this on the same pitch, um, and then of course with the weekend's um, uh, result, um, with City, uh, Scum, and Chelsea winning, um, it it was really the ball was really in our court to get a positive result, not a, not a, definitely not a loss, uh, and and not even a draw. We we needed to win this game, and and they did that, but. Um, let me post this to, to, to Doc. Um, coming into this game, did you feel confident? Or do you think, okay, this is going to be another fly by the seat of your pants, change your underwear at halftime kind of um, deal? It's weird. I wasn't sure how to feel. On the one hand, I, I felt confident that we were going to go there and we were going to be able to score goals. Okay. Um, but it seems, you know, this year we've been really conceding a lot of goals, even more than, you know, last year we had conceded a lot of goals at this point. I want to say it was maybe nine goals in the league, you know, but this year, you know, we had scored 11, we had conceded 11 goals. And so the matter was, we'd be able to score more goals than we would concede. And so, mm -hmm. 
you know, I, and I, I thought we would come out with a lot of energy because I think we were really um, disappointing in the midweek yeah. there uh, at Leicester. And, but I thought we came out, and especially in the first half, we gave a pretty good performance. And unfortunately, we gave up that really cheap shit of a goal mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the half. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I thought we were flying. Yeah, okay. start started from a, a Vardy dive, but uh, we won't talk about that as much. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing a lot of that. Yeah, it's it's not just in our games; it's it, it's just uh, throughout his career. But I mean, I mean, I still respect him as a player. But man, of course, it had to be. He's one of those guys you'd love to have on your team, but the amount of sheer bastardry he gets away with yeah. is just shocking. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, speaking of um, bastards, um, he's not the only one. Um, we'll cover the other, the other one in the game um, who had a whistle in his mouth, but um, a little bit later on. Um, Cam, how, how, how do you feel going into this game? Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that um, giving, giving Klopp two times to, to go to the same place and uh, I thought the second time would, we would come out with the result. Um, I knew that our defense has, has been struggling. So I was just hoping that again, that we scored more goals than, than conceded. But, uh, I think, I think overall we played really, really solid defense throughout most of the game. I don't think that there was like, they weren't just coming at us and coming at us. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like these one or two times throughout the game where they kind of slipped through and it wasn't like they had constant pressure on us. So I think that was, uh, a little testament to the uh, improvement, so I like that. Yep, yep. Um, I also say that I, I thought on, I think it was Thursday. There was at the press conference. Klopp was talking about how maybe Matip and Lovren wouldn't yeah. be fit to play or Chan, and so I think I was thinking, wow, we're going to have Klavan and and Gomez back there again, who kind of they kind of they didn't play horrible, but they didn't give the sort of the most reliable feeling. And then I was really happy to see the team sheet and see Matip and Lovren back in there. Yeah. Maybe not Lovren. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Lovren. Um, it's, it's funny that you just said that because I was actually just going to mention that. Um, I mean, we knew through uh, listening to the, to the pre-game presser, um, you know, obviously had big defensive worries and very surprised to see both then the first choice um, centre-backs on the team sheet. Um, the question is, does it really matter? <laughs> We've still conceded two goals. Well, it's two games now, two games against Leicester. They've scored four times. They've scored four goals against us, and we've scored three. So does it really matter who's, in, who's at centre-back? Because it just seems that we're just leaking. Yeah, um, I... Th- I saw this stat about um, our corner defending, and I've had a I've had a, my own opinion about how um, we've got that zonal marking that I just it just seems to not be working. Um, and I think I, I can't remember how long Liverpool has been doing it. It's before Klopp's been there, mm-hmm. but um, just just this year we've conceded like ten corners directly into the box, mm-hmm. and eight of them have become shots and and from that like a 3.1 expected goals against that's mm. astronomically high yep like I, I think for like league average it's like 
every 20 corners you can kind of expect a goal, but we're like near 40%, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> we just, I don't know what's going on there. I think, I mean, personally, I would love to start man marking, but I'm also not Klopp, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. There's kind of a, this American sports cliche mm-hmm. that the saying is, you know, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. Mm-hmm. That is, it's not about the tactics and the scheme. It's about the players you have mm-hmm. um, that make for success. And I, so I keep asking myself, is this about the X's and O's? That is, is it about the, you know, the, the zonal marking or is this about the tactical setup mm-hmm. or is this about the players we have? And I think, a lot of the Liverpool fans seem to be beating their heads against the wall because it's not clear which it is. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of talk about we need, you know, to get rid of Lovren and bring in guys like Van Dyke. But, you know, if you look at Klopp's teams, and there was an article in the in the Echo about this, if you look at Klopp's teams when he was at Dortmund and how successful he was, yeah. those teams were very stingy. Yeah. They did not give up goals. I think... They gave up like 25 and 22 goals in yeah. the, the two years they won the, the Bundesliga. So, I mean, it's not like his scheme is – I think there's a narrative that he, you know, he goes sort of balls to the wall and is all about offense and he's willing to sacrifice defense. But I don't think that narrative is correct. And so I, I okay. ask myself then, is he doing something differently tactically here or is it about the, the individual people we have? Okay. And then I yeah. looked at the – like I looked especially at that second goal we conceded. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me it looks like they were individual errors. Mm-hmm. You saw – you had Gomez that got beat on the flank mm-hmm. that put in, you know, you know the, the cross that went over. And then you had Moreno who actually was in the, the spot he was supposed to be in miraculously. Mm-hmm. But then you, what you saw is Lovren shifted over basically to back up Moreno mm-hmm. and that caused Matip to shift over and to mark o- o- Okazaki mm. who was supposed to be being covered by Lovren. Yep. But that then left Vardy completely unmarked because Gomez hadn't gotten back into the play at that point. And of course the deflection went really quickly and Vardy just, you know, headed it in. And so that struck me more as a, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's and not the, not the X's and O's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and- Yep. I think by that you can you can see how we're, how we're missing Klein. Like he probably doesn't give that that offensive flair that we get with with uh, Alex Arnold and I mean Gomez has been doing all right in that position, but having that solid defensive right back, the game in game out, I think is uh, is is pretty apparent. Okay, that's that's an interesting view. Um, I tweeted over the weekend. Um, of the traditional top six candidates, um, Liverpool have the worst goals conceded tally at 11 goals. And uh, this is the same um, as Bournemouth and uh, the blue nose gobshite. So um, that's where we are in terms of um, uh, goals conceded. In fact, Chelsea have scored the same number of goals as us, okay, but have conceded um, less than half of us. But the funny thing is, they're only two points ahead of us in the table. Of course, that that you know we are very early in the season, um, but you know if it continues in this way, that that um, right now what we see as this small gap is just going to become a yawning divide. Um, you, we know that we can't continue uh, this way, just conceding goals uh, like this and having such a, a porous defense. I also posted a tweet um, before this game. I can't find it at the moment, but. 
Um, and I asked, um, who do you think, or what do you think is responsible, or what do you think is the is the main issue with regards to uh, defensive frailty? Um, I think, uh, if I recall properly, uh, most people said that the defenders aren't uh, uh, good enough. Now, as we know, in all things in life, it's never just one thing. It's probably a combination of factors that leads to, you know, uh, this situation. Um, Cameron, you said um, def- uh, zonal marking. Um, Doc, you said uh, better quality players. What else do you think is the is the issue, Cam? Um, man, uh, I I wish I could point to a, a a key thing. I just think it's a a mix of of all the things. It's the I don't know nature nurture. It's the you got to take everything into account. And I think that um, yeah, I think we've got a kind of slow start to the to the season but i think it's just a, a culmination of of the two things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean one thing i would say is we seem to be lacking is leadership um and i don't know if it's sort of a vocal sort of defensive general who's going to be marshalling everybody either that's you know a sort of a, a really vocal impose your will kind of center back or mm-hmm. if that's a, a you know a holding midfielder who you know is not afraid to bark orders around I mean, I'm not one of these sort of anti-Hendo guys, mm-hmm. but I, while I thought he did a really pretty good job mm-hmm. at marshalling people around and, you know, being very vocal and getting in Anthony Taylor's face mm-hmm. when need be on uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. I think he's been kind of lacking in the leadership, the sort of on-the-field leadership qualities that I think you need. So I kind of think back to, you know, the city over the last few years, and you see them when they play with and without company. Yeah, and with company, he's there's this towering presence who just kind of imposes his will on that back line, and everybody. I don't know if they're just scared shitless of him <laughs> and they just fall in line, but without him, they just look, you know, they look very fragile. Yeah, and and I so I don't know if it's the players per se, but we need, I think we need a sort of leadership presence, and I unfortunately I don't think Mignolet imposes a lot of confidence in the defenders. Um, so I don't know if it's maybe a keeper that would, you know, sort of impose a lot of, you know, just impose their will upon things and sort of assert their authority. Yeah. Um, having said that, I thought Mignolet has been pretty good lately, sort of imposing his will on his box, mm-hmm. you know, and I think if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get held by Okazaki, he gets to that first ball, that first goal, he punches that away. And so, oh, absolutely. you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, you touched on several points there. Um, I think this this thing about um, Jordan Henderson's effectiveness as a as a player and Jordan Henderson's effectiveness as a captain, uh, two separate topics. And we touched those things um, at several points uh, on the show last season as well, and also this season as well. Um, fair play to him. I think he did a really good job this week, this weekend, this in this game. Um, Eric's uh, player ratings on our website. Uh, just going to read it verbatim. Uh, can't score. Scores the winner. Go, can't go, go. Can't go past the player. Uh, two take-ons today, at least. Isn't vocal. Talks all game. Confronts the ref, linesman, his teammates, and B. And in, it's in their faces. Scores the fucking winner. Here's to you, Jordan Henderson, a nine and a man of the match. That's Eric. Uh, uh, perspective. Keep this up, lad. I do agree with him. I think um, I, I saw uh, elements um, uh, in John Henderson's game, both in his role as a midfielder, okay, as well as 
at Captain. I, I see a lot of positive things. Um, so, okay, I'm just going to take that positive and say, okay, let's use that as a template to move forward because I don't think his form has been uh, that uh, uh, great and he's been taking a lot of stick. Um, Who has not been taking a lot of stick is his midfield partner, Ginny Wijnaldum. I think he's been getting away with murder, I think, this season. is uh, He's been generally um, anonymous. And you know, there's this statement that says he can't play um, he can't he can't play away from home. Did I get that right? Or is it the reverse? Yeah, he can't. Yeah, that that's that's the the the, uh, the saying. Yeah, he can't play away from home, so he plays uh, better when he's at home. And apparently, um, he only raises his game for the top teams. So we've ruled out fifty percent of the of the games for the season, and then we've ruled out another fifty percent of that. So, <laughs> so I think he's only effective in twenty five percent of the games this season. Um, what's your view on uh, Ginny's uh, performance this season as well as in this game, uh, Cam? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's uh, he's been kind of very very different for me. Um, yeah, he'll di- he'll disappear. I think he. I think he had half the touches Mingle had in that game, which is you can't have as your as your center midfielder, especially uh, somebody who's who's supposed to be in the uh, the attacking role. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like uh, Coutinho slides into his position. He's not always just out on the wing; he always cuts in, so it's kind of crowding his space. But um, uh, yeah, I, I I'm kind of excited to uh, to have Lalana back on on track for fitness and. Yep. Um, Get, getting back in and making the rotation just a little bit harder to get into that midfield. Okay, it's good that you mentioned Lalana. Um, Doc, how important do you think Lalana is to this team? It's funny. If you had asked me that two years ago, and I would say, <laughs> why is Lalana even in this team? Yeah. But I think he really showed his worth last year. He. He sets the pressing. Yep. He sets the standard for pressing. He he's the one who triggers everybody to press. He's so good at the pressing that we do. He's better at the pressing that we do than anybody else. Maybe besides even Firmino, but because Firmino's always sort of pressing the center backs, he's that's not nearly as effective as someone who's coming up and you know taking the ball off the midfielders. Mm-hmm. And he's creative and so he's creative in a way that Genie's not. Mm-hmm. I think Genie's strengths is once he gets on the ball, he rarely gives that ball away cheaply. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think what it also means is that he has a tendency to go sideways and backwards, whereas Lalana has more of a tendency to do that little, you know, Cruyff turn or that little sort of flick around the corner yep. and be moving forward north to south. Yep. And I think that suits our game more than, than Genie. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... I think, unfortunately, Genie's in a situation where he's he's in a position that doesn't best suit him. Okay. Um, and so, what you've been seems to me what we've been seeing a lot this season is is actually Henderson doing that pressing and sort of triggering the pressing, and mm-hmm. sometimes sure. he's been very successful at it. You know, he he's got that goal, and pre, you know. He stole the ball for the third goal. Mm-hmm. He got that great, uh, I think it was against Arsenal, where he stole the ball and passed up to Salah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also whiffs a lot. Yeah. He just ends up running by the guy and gets himself way out of position. And so yeah. there's, it's just kind of been kind of hit or miss with him in yeah. a way that I think Lalana is more consistent at that role. 
Yeah. Which is unfortunate because two years ago we had Lalana in the, in a really bad position. He was playing more as an attacking midfielder on the wing, and that doesn't suit him very well. True, true, true. Um, where do you, oof, uh, uh, bearing in mind that we've got um, Kita, uh, Kita coming in next season as well, and um, increase. And I mentioned um, when we first signed Kita, and there was some general. Well, people were happy that we signed Keita, but they were also unhappy that we weren't signing him this season. Um, and I and I said that um, there could be a possibility that we could get him in in January. It really depends on um, Leipzig, right? So um, increasingly, I'm hearing um, uh, chatter. Okay, albeit it's rumors, fine, right? Nothing substantiated that we could get him in in January. But once he comes in. Um, I don't see how Ginny is going to get on the on the team sheet. Yeah, it, it should it should be pretty interesting. He's he's man. He's I think he's almost if not better at pressing and, and winning the ball back as as Lalana. Great defensive cover, better than I mean. He gets the Conte comparison, but then he also gets up and gets goals. It's it he. I think he'll set the standard, and I, I'm I'm really excited for that. Um, Doc, staying again with Lalana, where do you see him um, coming back into the into the first team? You know, well, assuming that there are no injuries, mm-hmm. I think our best midfield, yep, might be Coutinho, Lalana, and either Henderson or Chan. I mean. John's been really inconsistent this year. He's sort of been up and down. And, you know, that kind of, you know, we kind of forget that he's only 23. He looks like a grown man. He seems like he's been playing forever. Yeah. He's got the, the lush beard of a 40-year-old. <laughs> but, we, you know, so he's at that age where there's still going to be some inconsistency. And I think when he's on the top of his game mm-hmm. and Phil's at the top of his game and Lana's at the top of his game, that's our best midfield. Okay. Um, maybe, but, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, how do you not play your captain, you know, when he's mm-hmm. healthy and ready to go? And so, yeah, I don't know. Does do you take do you not play Phil Coutinho? You're you're technically most gifted player. I mean, do you not play your captain? Do you not play the guy who was the the, the engine of your midfield and made that press so deadly and lethal? Yeah, and the counterattacking so you know so amazing last year. So it's kind of hard to say. Um, maybe, obviously, if Kleite comes in, all bets are off. Maybe, maybe um, a formation change could could address that somewhat. Um, so yeah, maybe uh, it's four, four two, two three one. Yeah, yeah. So then have um, uh, Emre uh, Hendo and Emre um, sit back, um, and then have the three and the one playing in front of them. Maybe Cameron, do you think that could work? He's not shown a proclivity to change formations. He's stuck with his four-three-three club this season. Um, any benefits to that change in formation based on Lalana uh, 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 working his way back into fitness? Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, Klopp, Klopp ran the four-two-three-one over at Dortmund with with Aubameyang up top and a couple creative midfielders. So I wouldn't put it past him to to change change up a couple things if uh, if that's if that suits the team. Okay. Um, yeah. He also played that diamond at the end of last season that really mm-hmm. saw us through. You know, we looked like we were kind of struggling. We had that bad result. That was at Southampton. Yep. And he switched to that diamond. And then from there, we really kicked on the last 
three or four games, two or three games, and got us over the line. And it was really effective. And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, maybe he could, maybe Lalana could play on the right side of that diamond. Maybe I had maybe Monty and Firmino up top. Yeah. Um, coming into this game, I had suggested that perhaps a formation, a slight formation tweak, um, could be examined as a way to, you know, get. Um, more clean sheets just to to um, stabilize the defense a little bit more um, you know in this instance a 4-2-3-1 um, maybe um, it may, perhaps it was not too bad a shout except that we didn't have the personnel um, uh, for on the attacking on the offensive front uh, to, to meet that so he just stuck with this 4-3-3 so it's interesting how that, this is going to play out with Lalana coming back Coutinho okay Coutinho uh, and Mane, Mane, that was his last game, so he's coming back uh, against. Uh, well, he is available for selection against Spartak uh, uh, Moscow, and of course the weekend. So that's that's a that's a huge relief, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Okay, um, Felipe Coutinho uh, showing signs of him coming back uh, into good form. He he was actually in very good form uh, towards the end of last season. Uh, he had actually relatively good form last season. He, I think he stepped up uh, to another level. Uh, and then in his outings at the Brazilian national team, uh, great performances as well. I think he's operating at a different level. And now, after all the, obviously, the summer transfer window, Barcelona debacle, uh, put all of that behind, water under the bridge. And, um, you know, uh, he showed himself to be the phenom uh, in, in, in this game, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy's unquestionably a world-class talent. You yeah. know, throughout his career, he's kind of been a little bit of inconsistency, inconsistent, but he seems to be putting that behind him. You know, he his first game back against Burnley, he looked like, you know, pretty rusty and he didn't get a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I thought he played really good in the first half, in the first game against Leicester. Yep. Um, he maybe tried to do a little too much. Yep. Um, you know, tried to sort of be the man. Um but he was sensational in the first half. You know, he's just, he's got that creativity where he can make, you know, something out of nothing. Yeah. And he, you know, he just can go through guys and, you know, he's sometimes a little, you know, a little weak on the ball sometimes, but mm-hmm. you can, you can live with that because he, he just makes things happen. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't wait until we see Firmino, Mane, and Salah and Coutinho all on the field at once. We haven't, we haven't seen it yet this year, and I think that'll be super, super key to to seeing out the season. Yeah. Uh, just Coutinho's creativity, unlocking Mane and Salah down the wings with with Firmino and Coutinho combining throughout the middle. I think that that oh, I'm a, that that's going to be amazing to see. I, I just can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We laid Bayern to waste with that lineup. Yeah, we did. You know, we I mean, did. obviously it's a preseason game, and it is what it is. But you know, in their own barn, you know, we went and. Just stomped a mud hole in them. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, if you remember the final of the Premier League Asia Cup trophy, it was against Leicester. And the, the two key guys in that game were Coutinho and Salah. And voila. All over the top. Yeah. From, from Coutinho. So, okay. Um, the little, little magician has um, apparently single-handedly changed the course of Liverpool's uh, meandering September. <laughs> with a stunning assist and a goal. Um, now, the thing is, um, okay, Cam, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. All right. Um, 
who do you think is more important? Uh, who do we miss more, most being out? Sadio Mane or Felipe Coutinho? Oof. Man, that's fun. Ah, I I kind of got to go with Mane here. Um, okay. Yeah, there's there's definitely times where Coutinho creates something out of nothing. His creativity is so important for that midfield. He unlocks the right side. He'll switch it. Um, but with Mane, he just gets the job done almost every time he's on the pitch. Yeah. Whether whether it's an assist or a goal, or he presses and he comes back, he wins the ball. So um, yeah, I, I would say Mane. Okay, fair shout. Okay, um, yeah, Doc? I'd agree. Okay. I mean, I think what what having Mane and Salah in the lineup give you is they give you that dynamic, just unbelievable pace on both sides of the pitch. Yeah. And if one of them's on there, then you can you can shade to that side, you can double team yeah. that side, you can bring, you know, not just the the left back but you can bring one of the midfielders over there to double team in which we we sort of had some of that problem last year with just Mane mm-hmm. eventually people got wise and they kind of would double team him yeah. and it forced him to sort of pass back but when you got two guys out there with that kind of pace mm-hmm. then it's kind of you, you if you're going to do that you're just picking your own death cuz then you know the real question now is with the three of them on the pitch then i think magic can really happen yeah yeah um, when we started, I said it's it, you know watching Liverpool is it's a uh, you know it's a route one to a heart attack. I think um, another guy who is a heart attack is um, Salah. You never know what you're gonna get with him. Um, he he's obviously uh, no one can argue he's had a great start to his Liverpool career. Uh, lots of goals. Uh, he's obviously on fire, but at the same time, um, he misses a lot of his shots. And his in-game performance, it's like, you know, um, electrocardiogram chart. It just goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, there's no doubt um, this guy, he's got electric movement, okay? And uh, as you say, you know, with Mane on one side and Salah on the other side. And Salah, is, he's, he's very confident. He's, you know, he, he, he goes for it. He takes the shot. I, I guess that, that's the reason why some of the stats skew towards him missing more than hitting the mark. But at least he takes those um, chances. His finishing, uh, when he does finish, is, is uh, uh, un- unreal. Um, how, do you, how do you think, how influential do you think he was in, in this game, Cameron? Uh, yeah, I thought he was influential. He actually uh, came back and, and won a tackle to where I, I believe Emre ended up switching it to to Coutinho and then it ended up setting up his his header back post and then he he came back and won won another tackle where Hendo switched it to Moreno mm-hmm. where he won the free kick and then Coutinho Coutinho sank it so mm-hmm. um, even even those simple things where he's he's actually coming back and working together with the team is very influential and uh, just a, a little point on um, his his conversion rate a lot of people say oh man he misses a lot of shots mm-hmm. but He's got like a 19% conversion rate throughout his career. Mm. Like that's Aguero's 15%. Sturridge is about 15%. And even Harry Kane, who people are arguing is one of the top forwards in Europe, he's at 17%. So I would kind of debunk that, to be honest. Like he, yeah, he takes a lot of his shots, but he's he's getting goals. I mean, ever since he's put on a Liverpool jersey. Yep. yep. Whether it was preseason or regular season. I'll add to that too, I think. 
his I think you know you see him miss that sitter where where he kind of didn't get you know the that that shot chance shot off the post and like he's sitting right there he's like god you got to put that away so he'll miss a couple of those but at the same time if you look at if you actually look at the sort of his chances and what they are mm-hmm. because so many of his chances are him taking you know going after a long ball up the field it's you know him in a defender and there's not another you know liverpool player in sight and so i think you know bobby's not the fastest guy on the field but if you had a guy you know a striker who had you know similar pace mm-hmm. who was kind of barreling down the center right down the channel then i think there's going to be more options for him to be laying off passes rather than take kind of bad angled shots or sort of high difficulty low percentage shots mm-hmm. and so when he's taking a lot of low percentage shots then you know that's going to that's going to look like he doesn't finish very well yeah having said that they're definitely you know he could easily have four or five goals on on just good quality chances that he just should have put away yeah, but then he makes that header out of nothing. I mean, how many people exactly. get to that back post header and put that True. in? Very few people. True. And then and then Maguire kind of got away with one as well, where he ended up just getting just a toe on the ball. Or otherwise, I think Salah would had had another one there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, Bobby. He didn't have a good game, did he? <laughs> No, I yeah, think, I mean, I, I don't. Was... I don't think that's Bobby's fault necessarily. Okay. I mean, maybe he's tired, but I thought Lester actually did a pretty good job of marking him. Mm-hmm. If you looked at every time he was, he's receiving the ball with his back to the goal. There was a guy literally up his ass, like when he's getting that ball. Not a lot of time to, to hold it up and play, you know, and lay it off for somebody. Yeah. So. You know, but he hasn't been great this season. I mean, he's shown moments where, you know, the Arsenal game. He just he was the man of the match he dominated that game but i think teams are also getting a little bit wise to him dropping deep yeah so maybe he needs to mix it up a little bit more yeah um just to start off that second half it was just kind of headers and physicality and sending long balls and so that definitely didn't play to him and then after a couple maybe 15 minutes Klopp was like all right let's bring in Sturridge switch up the game plan a little bit and i think that that worked out with uh, uh Sturridge getting that ball across and setting up Pendo. So um, I, th- I thought that was a good tactical switch. And it was um, kind of unusual for Klopp to be making a substitution just after the hour mark, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that early. I don't think I've seen him do a substitution that early, other than Coutinho in the game against Leicester uh, midweek. Do you, did, you, did you think that um, um, make? Klopp making that substitution at, uh, in the around that mark uh, for Firmino um, displays um, any sense that you know he trusts Sturridge again. Uh, prior to this game, um, he said something to the effect that you know it was no question Sturridge has a role in this team. Uh, it's no question of selling him, and he's and he had a nice chat with him, um, and and so on and so forth. And and he's he's been touching this table, wooden table here, and crossing my fingers. He's been fit. <laughs> a blade of grass hasn't hurt him or hasn't broken. Don't mention it. <laughs> um, he's been fit. He looks He looks fit as a fiddle and he looks hungry. The competition is stirring him, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I think he's kind of embraced his role a little bit. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem to be sulking or, you know, exasperated in any way. I think, you know, he's when he gets out there, you know, he definitely had his shooting boots on Saturday. Yeah, he was not afraid to, you know, and that's you know his mo. He's not afraid to take shots, and he, you know, he'll put he'll put his share of those away, you know. But he. When he goes out there, he seems to be really trying to want to make the most of his time and to show what he can do, and that's what you want to see. Um, and I think he'll get he'll get goals, and he needs to put pressure on Bobby too. I think that's you know Firmino, like anybody else, he needs to have someone who's hungry who wants to take his spot, and yep. that's what makes teams better. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, we are going to take a very short. Uh, musical break and when we come back um we will talk about the defense a little bit more uh, and a couple of other topics so don't go anywhere this next tune is dedicated to anthony taylor it's titled go fuck yourself fucked and drank all night acted all all right had no need to fight tonight tonight fucked and drank all night Acted all alright Had no need to fight Tonight, tonight So I posted a poll um, immediately after the game and um, I've deleted it now, obviously. It was was more of a gimmick. Uh, And uh, I think I titled it something like, um, uh, is Anthony Taylor uh, a fucking cunt? And I think most people said no because a cunt is actually useful. So... (laughs) Um, he and traditionally has hair on it. And traditionally has hair. <laughs> Boom, good one. Okay, and he seemed to do everything to to deny us the game, didn't he, Cameron? Um, yeah, I think that the the Okazaki uh, holding Mingole was definitely uh, an oversight, but um, I just thought it was. Uh, kind of played into Leicester's hands like they just they made it a physical game they they put it into Anthony Taylor's hands like he had to make these decisions and yeah refereeing's definitely not that not not an easy job but he kind of he, he did make it difficult for us <laughs> he did it deep oh and that Lovren getting mugged in the box Jeez. that was oh man I can't I believe that you know hasn't been called you know, there's supposed to be a point of emphasis to call those things, and he's just got both hands wrapped around his arms. Lovren still then managed to get his, his, mu- his melon on the thing, but man, what that you, was that was a horrible call. What, what do you think of the of the the non call um, against? Uh, well, the the Shinji Okazaki uh, uh, thing with um, uh, Mignolet. Yeah, it's just a it's a huge oversight. I mean, he's. He's impeding the keeper from getting to where the spot he needs to be. He's he's holding him the whole entire time, mm-hmm. and I mean, end up ends up leading to the goal. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
uh, Mingole tried to pull Okazaki back to try to save the goal, but at that point, you had already they had already missed the call, and um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Now it's hard to see what I don't I, I don't know what Taylor's view of that was because there's a lot of bodies flying in the mm-hmm. box, mm-hmm. and you know, but there is no way that the linesman could not see that. He's standing at the corner flag. There's no way he's got a perfectly clear view of that. There's no way he doesn't see that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's where the, the linesman either has to have the balls to freight the flag. Yeah. Or Taylor's not ignoring. I don't know what it is, but, you know, there's no way that the linesman can't make that call. Yeah, it's, it's, you got to make the call. Yeah. There, there, oh, there were actually two incidences with um, Okazaki. Uh, I think at the four. 40th minute mark um, where Leicester had a free kick and um, uh, Okazaki was actually standing a country mile offside. Uh, he was actually standing centrally when the ball went wide but he ran back onside as Maguire headed it back on uh, and then he was unmarked in the middle of the box and he collected the knockdown and then ripped one to equalise. Then he was ruled out for offside despite actually him being offside. But when you look at the replay, it was actually Harry Maguire who was offside. So that decision... There were like a half right. a dozen Leicester players offsides on that yeah. call. And yeah. I was arguing with somebody on the site about, yeah, he wasn't offside. I was like, he wasn't offsides per se when, okay. that, when the ball to him was played. Yeah. But there were like a half a dozen guys on the initial kick that were offsides. And yeah. Maguire was the that one who the header and put it back in. Yeah, yeah, and then of course that this um, this incident in the in the I think it was in the stoppage time in the first half, okay, um, where oh, um, Okazaki well Mignolet came steaming out for the ball and Okazaki was kind of um, marking him in a way and just leaned into him enough to totally disrupt his jump, okay, and he missed. Oh, the and ball. had also had a hold of his arm. Yeah, yeah, it's obstruction. Exactly, exactly. So he missed the ball, which went on to hit Joe Gomez. And then he crept over the uh, near the line only for for Okazaki. He sprang to life and uh, jab at home to give uh, Lester the Lester lifeline. Um, so both and then these... proceeded to lay on the ground like someone had just beat him with a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> I wish someone I would beat him with a wrench. But the, okay. Um, talking about um, stoppage times and injury times, there seemed to be a lot of that on the clock, added on the clock by uh, you know a, a certain use, useless cunt. <laughs> it's refereeing is such a tough job. No one, no, no wonder no one wants to be a referee these days. But okay, what an asshole. Yeah, he, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm an American, so we're used to the games being having you know, typically a very definitive timing mechanism. So <laughs> it's it's taken me a long time to sort of come to grips with this that there's an indefinite amount of time into the game. But having said that. I don't know the sort of magic voodoo that seems to go into these <laughs> things and, uh, you know, whether it's three minutes or five minutes or I don't know why there were two minutes at the end of the first half, nah, but yeah. you know, there were two minutes and whatever it, it went two and a half, you know? Yeah. 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 Maybe even a little bit after that too. Yeah. But you know what? Well, you know, it was the last two years ago, Klopp's first season when we went to Chelsea and, Still got that great goal in, 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 you know, injury time there at the end of the first half. And we went on to, you know, to really just really disembowel Chelsea that day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's so, talk. Yeah. Okay, other than this, um, uh, you know, we're not Harlem Globetrotters 
halftime chat. Um, at the post-game uh, presser, it seemed uh, or was kind of encouraging that Klopp is not blind to the problem um, of our of our porous defense. He said, it's obvious we concede too much. Uh, he said, that's really hard for me. Usually I'm a really good defensive coach. Uh, he says, he continues, he says, the main thing for defending is tactical discipline. I don't know everything about football, but I could write a book in the next two hours about which space, space we have to defend, why, when, and where you have to be. When you have to step up, I can't, I can't take a car and drive them out of the box. That's how it is. As long as not every player is doing it, and we will work on it. When everyone is doing it, I will make sure we are doing it for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Got a meandering explanation there, but... Um, what do we do? I mean, we talked about this briefly when we started as well. Um, we just can't continue this way. And and I kind of miss um, Linda Pazuti's um, tweets talking about clean sheets as well. So... <laughs> Defense wins you titles. Uh, we're, win we're winning a lot of fans to our entertaining style of play and, and really the heart attack type of games that we have. But it's not going to win us any medals, is it, Cameron? No, yeah, it's definitely not um, a, a model for consistency. Yeah. We, if, if we continue this way, it'll... I don't know how many, how, many how many goals conceded are we on pace for for the league if we're through eight games and we've got 11 conceded? Mm. Six games. Oh, six, six games. Six, Sorry, yeah. six games. Um, and Eleven conceded. Yeah, that's just... It's like 70-something goals. It's absurd. Yeah. It's, it's just... It, it's got to be better. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me... let me. It's something that has to be... It has to be the entire team needs to take pride and just put a tremendous amount of emphasis into doing their job defensively. Mm -hmm. And I think clearly the, the guys take a lot of pride in the counterattack and the, and the flair and the passing. And, you know, cause we just, you know, it's poetry in motion, but at the end of the day, someone in the locker room needs to say enough is enough. And I'm clearly, it can't be Klopp. It has to be the players and the players have to just dedicate themselves to being where they need to be positionally. Um, you know, you're never going to, you're always going to concede some goals. That's just, you know, that's the way it is. But okay. the sort of consistently giving up these kind of cheap goals mm -hmm. from second balls and from being out of position, that's what drives, I think, everyone crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, just when, when we go up 2 0, making sure that we're seeing out the end of the half, yeah. we're going into halftime up 2 0. Then the way that we start that that next half is would be completely different, and then when again when we go up three one, then like maybe we don't have Moreno and Gomez pushing up the wings super high, mm -hmm. then we just sit in a little bit and see out the game. So yeah, it's just got to be it's just got to be a whole team communication and team working together for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just looking at the um, uh, who scored um, uh, statistics for this game. Um, it's a little bit more even compared to the first time we played them in the in the Carabao Cup. Um, we had we had the again we had the the bulk of the possession, but not not by that much. We had fifty seven percent, fifty six point seven percent to be precise of the possession. Uh, Leicester had forty three point three. 
We had roughly double the number of total shots compared to Leicester, 23 compared to 12. But um, get this stat, they had seven on target while we had um, six. So again, they took, uh, Leicester took lesser number of shots, um, but put two, two in. Um, same thing with the, through the previous game. They took lesser number of shots. It was actually that, that statistic in the previous game was even more stark. Um, we, I think we, we took nearly triple, close to triple if I'm not wrong. I don't have, I'm not looking at it. Number of shots. And, but they, they, they scored two goals and uh, we, we didn't score any. Um, so there's this clinical, um, uh, lack of clinical um, uh, finishing ability that's at play here. Um, and then, of course, there's this defensive part. Now, on this um, article that I wrote a rebuttal to uh, earlier last week, uh, to be fair, I was I was being a dickhead when I when I wrote this, but um, the the author um, said that um, actually it's our mentality, it's our mentality that's causing us to, and a psychological weakness that's causing us to to concede or, or to you know for our heads to 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 um, you know uh, to fall back down. Uh, I argued that actually that's not the case because we found ourselves in many positions this season where we've actually gone a goal down uh, and we've uh, we've equalized. So that takes some form of a mental um, psychological fortitude. So I'm start trying to wonder what exactly is the problem. I guess, as I said, it's a combination of um, skill sets, you know, ability, positioning, pos uh, formation, tactical things. Do you think, Cameron, th that the players are getting too much information from Klopp? Klopp said that he could write a whole book in two hours <laughs> on defensive organization. He says that he's really very good. And do you think all of this is out com coming out on the training pitch to a, to a degree where, God, there's just too many things for, for me to, to be handling right now. And uh, at the same time, I've got, they've got to you know, compensate for you know, maybe not being the best you know uh, that they can be. Do you think? Do you think information overload could be an issue? I'm reaching here, by um, the way. So, <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that it may maybe could be a part of it. But yeah. uh, if you if you look at it, we've got a a really a really young team. If That's if you true. look at compared to That's to true. any of the other Premier League teams, we're very very young. So mm -hmm. I think that I I mean I trust Klopp with his saying that he's he's got to train players and it takes time. Yeah. And I think that Moreno's kind of shown that. He's kind of come into, come into his zone after a couple of years under Klopp. So um, I don't know if it's information overload, but um, I, I definitely think that Klopp's got a ton of information and um, that it could, it could be. Well, and I think where the youth comes in is that with youth comes inconsistency. And if... Mm -hmm. You got a lot of youth in your team in a lot of different positions. Mm -hmm. You know, even when there's always going to be games when one or two of those guys are just going to be not on their game, okay. and they're going to be vulnerable and they're going to get themselves out of position. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think don't, I think Gomez has been having a pretty good season. You know, at at right back, but you know, was it Albington just? Mm -hmm. took him to the woodshed on that play. I mean, he just made that turn and left him in his wake. And, you know, there's, so there's going to be instances like that. And so if you got a lot of young players, there's just going to be more general inconsistency. I mean, I think there is a certain, I don't want to say psychological weakness, but there, I think there is a, an aspect to this that is about mentality. Yeah. That is about we refuse to concede goals, that we refuse to, you know, lose the ball in dangerous places. 
And so you, you have to have a certain kind of mentality that asserts that, you know, over the weekend there was talk of, you know, where's Sammy Hippia? Get him in into Melwood, yeah. and you know, with a whip, cracking these guys, <laughs> you know. You Sounds know, like or, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> or Gerard, you know, Gerard was or talking Gerard. about using Kara as his his model, mm-hmm. but you know, Kara, uh, he conceded a lot of stupid goals too. Yeah. You know, we kind of we love Kara and everything, but you know, in his time, he made a lot of errors and some dumb mistakes, and you know, I think sometimes there's the assumption that a lot of a lot of goals will paper over those cracks, and maybe yeah. the players have a certain mentality that because they know they're going to score goals, they assume it'll paper over some of the defensive cracks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cameron, you you were saying something. Oh no, yeah, I was just saying that that Kara, he just his his attitude was he hated to lose. He would mm-hmm. scrape and fight and cheat and do whatever he could to mm-hmm. to not lose, and and that's something that I guess I don't really. I don't really see out of Lovren and Matip, like uh, just the the absolutely hating to lose, and so um, I don't know. It's just an interesting thought. Well, um, speaking of mentality, um, and we're rapidly coming to the end of the show as well, and maybe we can wrap up on this point. Speaking of mentality, uh, perhaps this win over the weekend um, shows that Liverpool can indeed win uh, ugly. Do you think this win at Leicester is an achievement in itself? Let's not kid ourselves. Leicester is a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, they had they didn't have the best season last year. They were kind of up and down. Yeah. But there's still, you know, a lot of really good players in that team and they play well as a team. Yeah. And winning on the road in the prem is never easy, especially against, you know, they're not an elite team, but they're a good team. They're a good Premier League team and, you know, they did well in the Champions League last year. You know, they made it to the, the you know, they did pretty well. Um and so it's always a good achievement to go on the road and win. I think, especially when you've had not the best results and your kind of backs a little bit against the wall and the kind of the, the fan base and the media starting to kind of starting to harp. Mm-hmm. And I think a negative result would have been really bad because it would have sort of sown more of this narrative that, you know, there's a crisis. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think a win like this can bring a, a dressing room together, can bring a team together mm-hmm. in ways that, are really valuable. Cameron, um, using the proverbial, have we turned a corner? Do you think we have indeed turned a corner and uh, this September sleepwalk might soon be consigned uh, to uh, memory? Do you think we've, um, we've finally you know, moved on and uh, now we can expect good things? Or do you think it's still going to waver a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. We're going we're gonna to turn it around, in, in my opinion. Just like... Just what we were talking about, Lalana coming back and and Manet being back from suspension. Yep. We're getting a, a win on the road. It wasn't an easy win, but we did it. And I think just all of that coming together with uh, just a uh, a little bit of time. I think that I think we're gonna really really turn it around here in the next couple months. So. Okay, perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, we got a f- first chance to see that um, uh, in Russia. <laughs> Uh, against Spartak Moscow midweek in the Champions League. Um, so up the red men, hopefully uh, another great performance. We have Sadio Mane coming back as well. And for Craig Shakespeare to be or not to be, unfortunately, mate, it's not to be. Guys, thank you very much for joining me on the show. And thank you very much for listening in. Talk to you all soon. Take care and goodbye.
Thanks. Take care. Pleasure. Bye. Whoa!